Good morning, everybody. It is Thursday, 4th of March, and after a rather good day yesterday, our market was up 56. We are losing a bit of our shine today. Wall Street was down 121, but the Nasdaq, that's 0.4%. But the Nasdaq's down 2.7%, again, showing you this pointy end of the market is technology as interest rate fears continue. And I've got a little chart of the Australian 10-year bond yield in the strategy piece today. You will see, despite the Jerome Powell pacification last week on interest rates trying to cool us all down, bond yields have started to rise again. So the NASDAQ, as I say, the pointy end, down 2.7% against Wall Street, down 121. Our futures were down 38. So down 58 is worse than expected. But BHP is ex-dividend today, 129.8 cents, and the stock's down 167 cents. It had in a bit of franking, that might be about right. And Rio, which went ex-dividend 517.1 cents, is down 705 points, as I say. Between the two of them, that's probably 30 points off the index. So we're down sort of 20, 30 points today, excluding those. We've had retail sales numbers today, plus 0.5, which weren't terribly fantastic, but not bad. And we've had trade numbers as well, which didn't trouble the scorers. Not a lot going on in the States. The rollout of vaccines, according to the White House, going to be a bit faster than expected. Every US adult will have a vaccine available by May the 31st instead of June the 31st. 31st, sorry. A bit more Fed speak overnight in the US talking the prospect of higher rates down again. And for resources, although they're doing terribly today, Goldman Sachs put out a bit of research talking about the commodities super cycle, saying we're at the beginning of a structural bull market in commodities, which will be driven by redistributional policies, environmental policies, and versatility in supply chain initiatives, whatever all that means. I've got a chart in the strategy piece of the iron ore price. It is going up again, up 1.08% overnight. But if you have a look at it, it's back to $177. Still going up. Oil price also had a good night overnight, up 2.6% ahead of tomorrow's OPEC Plus meeting. So despite today's performance having gone ex-dividend, resources still the place to be. No particular news Today on the corporate front, Qantas warning about job losses if borders remain closed. And apart from BHP and Rio, we also have ex-dividends today from Woolworths, which is down 3.2%, and CSL, which is down 3.9% today, as well as Perpetual. Right, in the strategy piece today, I've got charts of the iron ore price going up, charts of the Australian 10-year bond yield trending up again. I wrote about tulip omania and bubbles on Tuesday. I've seen two articles this week which seem to have picked up on the bubble concept, saying it's not a bubble. And I think Roger Montgomery saying there are individual bubbles that could, could burst easily enough, but not the whole market. Gold price noticeably carking it at the moment. Have a look at that chart in the strategy piece. If the pandemic was good for the gold price, then a vaccine is not good. And that really has pivoted as of August, September last year and heading down at the moment. Right, to keep you amused today, I have written up something I've been meaning to write up for ages, which is about the rebalancing trade. You're probably aware that the ASX 200 is rebalanced every so often. Well, just to put the facts around that, the S&P ASX manage the ASX family of indices. So the ASX 20, 50, 100, 200 are rebalanced 
quarterly. The ASX 300 is rebalanced semi-annually and the All Ordinaries is rebalanced annually. And the quarterly rebalancing, the most important one is the ASX 200 because it's most commonly used as a benchmark, probably followed by the ASX 300, the ASX 100. But really the ASX 200 is the important one when it comes to guessing what's going in and out of the index and therefore what might get a bit of a, a push or pull. But the quarterly rebalancing of the ASX 2050-100-200 happens on the third Friday of March, June, September and December. And the rebalancing announcements are made on the second Friday of March, June, September and December. So if I work that out correctly, the second Friday of March is not this Friday, but the Friday week. So Friday the 12th. So we have a rebalancing announcement, a quarterly rebalancing announcement coming up for the ASX 200 on Friday week. And the game is to try and guess which stocks are going to get chucked out of an index and which stocks are going to replace them. And it's important because when a stock goes into a commonly used benchmark index like the ASX 200, all the passive funds, so that would be indexed funds and ETFs and anything that replicates the ASX 200, all the funds have to do whatever the rebalance is, which is sell the stocks that fall out and buy the stocks that are coming in. And not just the passive funds, but the active funds as well. So if you're benchmarked to the ASX 200, you're acutely aware of what stocks are coming into the index, into your benchmark, because presumably if they're coming in, they're growing and you have to make sure they don't continue to grow whilst you don't hold them. So as they come in, you look at them and decide whether you need to buy them. And so even the active funds are buying when a stock comes into the index and selling when a stock goes out. The passive funds have to do it and brokers do research I've seen research in the past which worked out the market cap of a stock coming in, the average daily liquidity, and therefore how many shares have to be bought. If the passive funds are X billion, active funds are X billion, then it's going to create this much buying, which is 10 days of liquidity. So there's going to be a squeeze. Ra 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 ra. You can see you can really get quite technical with it all. But I took away, I saw a great bit of research on this last year, very detailed, but the takeaway was a general principle. And the general principle is that stocks going into the index generally rally around 5% ahead of the rebalancing announcement and before the actual rebalancing takes place, so a week later, and then tend to fall 2% after they've actually been included. So you get a anticipation of inclusion and then a bit of a fall on inclusion. So our game is to guess which stocks are going to go into the index, into the ASX 200 in particular, probably a little bit in the ASX 100 as well, which stocks are going to go in and which stocks are going to get sold. And you want to be riding. This creates a tide of buying. So it creates a wave of buying for a stock for a period of time. But it also highlights with the stocks going in and out, it also highlights the companies that are growing and doing well. And a lot of institutions that just haven't looked at a particular company because it wasn't in an ASX 200 index or wasn't in their benchmark, suddenly start looking at it, considering whether to buy it. So which ones are growing up 
and which ones are fading away. And yes, you could trade for the news that they're going to be included, but of more importance perhaps is to identify the growing companies in the market. And this is as good a way of having the ASX or the S&P ASX identify them for you. So I've got a bit of a description of how it's all calculated in the strategy piece today. The ASX 200 inclusions, there are a few little basic points, basic principles. The ASX 200 inclusions, exclusions, probably the most important ones because it's the most used benchmark. So we'll create the most buying and selling. The All Ordinaries is also a very well used benchmark, but it's only rebalanced annually in March. And the weighting of each stock going in or out, when it's a 500 stock index, it's only a small amount of buying and selling it creates. So it doesn't really tend to push stocks very much. You can identify, and brokers do regularly do it, identify the stocks likely to be included ahead of Uh, the rebalancing announcement they try and pre-guess and the criteria for that I'll come to it's to do with there are a few basic criteria like liquidity but it's based mostly on the float adjusted market capitalization when I say float adjusted each company has what's called an IWF which is an investable weight factor I'll lose you at this point I can see but it's IWF if it has an IWF of if Marcus today for instance was a listed stock, it might have an IWF of investable weight factor of one, which means the whole of its market cap is included in the index calculation. Or if there are certain things or certain large shareholders, or it's a secondary listing and most of the shares are listed in the UK, which is Rio has that issue, or a government has a big holding... The committee, which is the ASX, S&P ASX Equity Indices Committee, who can do whatever they like. They have guidelines, but they don't have rules. So they can choose not to include stocks if they want or include them if they want. But they have the discretion. So if in their discretion, they decide, well, Marcus, today, this listed stock, 50% of it's held by or 60% is held by Marcus Padley. That won't be traded. So we'll give it an investable weight factor. If 60% is not going to be traded, we'll only count 40% of the market cap. We'll give it an investable weight factor of 0.4. So only 0.4 is included in the index. And then they look, and once they apply that to the market capitalization, they then look to have the top 200, it's not that simple, the top 200 stocks by investable market cap included in their index. So you need to know the market cap, the investable weight factor, IWF, how much is included. You need to know whether the company's already in the ASX 200 to work out whether it's likely to go in or out. And from that, you can start to guess which stocks are coming into the index before the announcement and try and buy them for the rally into the announcement. So now you're wondering which stocks are going to be announced that they're going in to the index next Friday into the ASX 200 and which one's coming out. I haven't had time to do it. It is too much work today. I will get to it probably at the beginning of next week or so. There's, it's not that greater trade anyway, but I will get to it. The problem I'm having is finding the investable weight factor. I subscribe to goodness knows how many services which should be able to tell me that. They are not publicly available. They are by subscription. So some of the professional software like Iris... I can't find it on my Reuters, which is the annoying thing. They must have it there somewhere. But once I find those, I'll be able to work it out for you, which stocks are likely to come in or not 
to the ASX 200 next week. Anyway, there's a bit of a insight into how the indices are calculated and why it's important, basically because funds have to buy stocks that come in and sell stocks that go out. There are a bunch of footnotes, like there are things called buffers. And once they've worked out the investable market cap, they don't actually call it that, do they? They call it the float adjusted market capitalization. But once they've worked that out from the biggest to the smallest, they want, in theory, they want the biggest 200 in the ASX 200. But in order to stop there being so many constant changes, they will only consider including stocks that are ranked 179 or above. And they'll only consider stocks that have dropped below 221st ranking by adjusted market capitalization. So we're looking for stocks that are not in the index that are now within the 179th biggest market cap. And apart from the ASX 200, all the indices have some sort of influence depending on how many funds are benchmarked to each index. But one of the most important apart from the ASX 200 is the MSCI Australia Index, which is what all the international funds index themselves to. And the MSCI Morgan Stanley Capital Index, the MSCI do their own calculations different from the ASX. I haven't gone into those today, but they are perhaps more important. There are a lot less stocks in that MSCI index and the Australia index is included in the other index calculations as the Australian stock. So it feeds through to a lot of MSCI indices if you can get into the MSCI Australia index and then global institutions have to buy your stock. Right, that's about that. Lots of things to click on there and get the data you need, all except for the IWF data, which I'm still trying to find. I will try and make that available to members if I'm allowed to. Good, that's about that. Not the most stunning day. News from our end is we have found our office. We are doing some works next week and we will be in it by the end of the month. We are looking forward to that. As I leave you, Dow Jones futures down 40. Our market down 68 at one point today. It was down 102 points. So it has come back from the dead. Banks doing particularly well today. ANZ up 2.9%, NAB 1.7, Westpac up 0.7 and CBI up 0.5. You had to hold the banks today. I'm guessing what is going on there is that as BHP and Rio, which are now paying out some of the biggest dividends in the market and Fortescue earlier this week, as they go ex-dividend, people are switching into the banks, into ANZ, NAB and Westpac, which are the next biggest dividends coming up in April, May, which is probably why the CBA, which has just gone ex-dividend, is only up 0.5 while stocks like the ANZ's up 3%, unless I've missed some bank story today. But I'm guessing that income is a huge factor in the market and people are rolling out of BHP and Rio, which have dropped by more than their dividends and CSL and Woolworths and rolling that money. It's a big dividend day today, rolling that money into the three biggest banks with dividends coming up. Okay, that's about that. You have a fabulous day and I will be back sometime soon.